Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so grateful you could be with me for this conversation today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Boundaries are something that sometimes can be pretty difficult to get our minds around and even harder to establish in our lives. But for us to have healthy relationships and to heal well, they're really essential. I'm joined in this conversation today by Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa's got a new book out called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, and she's here to share with us some of her insights and wisdom when it comes to the process of establishing good boundaries. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with. But the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. And you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. For some of us, our boundaries can be so high that they're actually a wall that we're using to shut other people out. But for others of us, the boundaries can be so low or non-existent that we end up opening ourselves to all kinds of pain and chaos at the hands of other people. And what I really appreciate about Lisa's perspective in this is how we can examine the way a person behaves and adjust our boundaries appropriately so that we can protect ourselves from the bad, but still leave ourselves open to the good. Here's my conversation with Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa, I am so excited to get to sit down with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. This The feeling is mutual. So okay. thanks for taking time to interview me today. Yeah. Lisa, I'd venture to say just about all of our listeners have gone through some kind of relational brokenness that has brought this need for boundaries right to the forefront. And in your new book, you talk about the fact that boundaries are not, though, about leaving people, but about loving people and doing that in right and healthy ways. So I wanted to know if you would start us in this conversation about boundaries in just straightening this misconception out for us. Sure thing. So I think sometimes we hear the word boundary and one of two things happens inside of us. Either we say, oh, I've tried boundaries and they just don't work for me. Or people will say, well, I've had boundaries put on me before that were used as control, manipulation or punishment. And so they felt terrible being put on me. So I'm not going to put them on anyone else. So I think the other issue with boundaries is sometimes people lack the confidence to know if it's really okay 
to draw a boundary? Is it okay for a Christian to draw a boundary? Is it okay for a wife to draw a boundary? Is it okay for an ex-wife to draw a boundary? Is it okay for a mom to draw a boundary? You know? And Mm -hmm. so we have all these questions and a lack of confidence. And I think that that can really get us in trouble. So we have to remember that boundaries should be motivated by love not punishment, control, or manipulation. Boundaries are not meant to control or change another person. Boundaries are meant to hold the best of who we are intact so that we can operate as a whole healthy individual in the other relationships or in this relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. I love that you highlighted confidence as part of our struggle with boundaries because I think a lot of times depending on how we grew up or what we were taught, what we believe about ourselves, we may not even really be certain that there's something that needs protecting. And then Mm -hmm. even on top of that, that protecting it is okay, as you mentioned. But in the book, you also say that boundaries are not just a good idea, but they're a God idea. So let's Mm -hmm. dig into that and really look at what is God's plan for us when it comes to boundaries. I think it's interesting, right from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, we see God creating the world and he is using boundaries. He separated the light from the darkness. There's a boundary. He separated the land from the sea. There's a boundary. He separated the sky from the sea. There's a boundary. And so even in creation, we see God implementing boundaries. And then as we get into Genesis 2, the first recorded conversation between God and Adam, the first man, the topic is around a boundary. Think of all the subjects that God could have covered with Adam in this first recorded conversation. And God chose a boundary conversation. And the way God has the conversation with Adam about this boundary is really informative as well. God told Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So this is our first clue that boundaries aren't about restriction. Boundaries are about freedom. Because when we know what is acceptable and what's not acceptable, when we know where the boundary lines are, we feel the freedom to run in those boundary lines without being tentative and wondering, is this okay? Is this okay? You know, Um, so it's for the sake of freedom. And the second thing God says, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, just not this tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or else you will die. You see, again, it's not for restriction. It's not to limit Adam. It is to protect Adam. And God wanted to protect him and all humans from the heavy and daunting weight of the knowledge of evil. And that knowledge of evil is what we often experience when we turn on the TV and there's another natural disaster. There's another school shooting. There's another heartbreak in this world. That's the knowledge of evil. And that's what God was trying, trying to protect Adam from and trying to protect all of us. So boundaries are for the sake of establishing the freedom in the relationship and oftentimes for protection. A boundary is meant to hold me together so that I can stay safe. I can stay sane and I can stay self-controlled. And I think that's where we've got to park our mind that this is for a good purpose. And boundaries are not just a good idea. They were actually God's original idea. 
Yeah. And I love this emphasis, though, on protecting ourselves from evil, because a lot of times I think, and this was certainly my case, there was this sense that I need to be all things to everybody, that I have this undying pouring out of myself for any and everybody. And all that did, though, was break me down and made me less of who God had intended for me to be. And even if we look at the example of Jesus in the Bible, Jesus was very boundaried. He was absolutely, I will be with these people and not with these people. And I will spend lots of time talking and teaching with these individuals and those who think that they've got it all together. Well, I'm going to let them think they've got it all together. And I think in that, though, understanding that we're not all things to all people. And so we have to establish ahead of time, this is what's okay. This is what's not okay in order to be the best of what God has intended for us to be. That's right. And here's something, I'll have confession time. Are you ready for this? Ready. (laughs) Part of my struggle around boundaries, and by the way, I wrote my new book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, from my point of struggle, not because I'm naturally good or, you know, superstar-ish when it comes to boundaries, I actually struggle with them. And part of my struggle, here comes the confession, is that I tend to really be a people pleaser. I I want people to be happy with me. I, I want people to be happy. So I want them to not think less of me and all of that. But hidden in this people-pleasing tendency, it's not just that I want to please people to keep them happy. It's that I want to please people to keep them happy so that they won't take from me Mm -hmm. something that they are giving me that I think I will not be okay with if they, if they took that away. And so this became a real place of work for me when it came to boundaries is my fear around desperately wanting from other people what I feared I would never get from God. Mm. And a big part of that is I want people to think the best of me. I don't want people to be disappointed in me. I don't want to run the risk of people rejecting me or Mm -hmm. walking away from me. But here's what I've learned. If I'm fearing that drawing a healthy boundary would cause this person to walk away from me, chances are that person will probably walk away from me, right. whether or not I draw a healthy boundary. So it's just my choice whether I want to be left there standing healthy or not. That's right. And you're among friends when it comes to the people pleaser thing. I'm so in the same boat as you. And you're, you're so right, though. It is at the core of this, though, feeling like there is love that will be removed from me if I do this thing, but not realizing that that's not love. And that the love that we really do desire is out there for us, but we're we're closing ourselves off to it because we're giving our time, which is so finite, and giving of ourselves in the wrong way to the wrong people. And one of the things, though, that I so appreciate in the book that you helped to draw the, the kind of the concept around this, though, of what is the boundary? What is it really? It, and the fact is you tie these concepts of access responsibility and consequences all together when it comes to forming that foundation for what is a good boundary. So would you highlight that for us a little bit? Absolutely. To the level that we give someone access to us is to the level that we should require them to be responsible with that access. If we are giving someone level 10 access, but they are only willing or capable of level three responsibility, The distance between those, that's where relational chaos happens and 
where there's chaos, there's usually an indication that there's a lack of a boundary. So in the past, what I would do is I would try to put a boundary on this person to try to make them be more responsible with the access that I'd granted them. Mm. And the problem with that is unless that person wants to be more responsible, unless that person wants to change and it's an internal motivation, using external pressure may create some behavior modification, but it will not create lasting change Mm -hmm. because we can't make another person make changes unless they're willing and capable of making them. So if I can't change this person, but they're consistently only bringing level three responsibility, then instead of putting a boundary on them to try to control them, A more effective and healthy way to do it is to put a boundary in the situation on myself and require myself to reduce the access that I've granted them down to their demonstrated level of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that's the consequence right there, though. And and oftentimes, then you're going to see really does that person have the desire to improve their responsibility? Because if they're going to rage against you or or get angry at you for having to change the level of access, that's only validating then who they are showing you that they are and have established who they, that they are going to be. That's right. An unhealthy person has never met a boundary that they like. Mm, mm. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> An unhealthy person has never met a boundary that they like. I think mm. my counselor, Jim Cress gave me that statement. And throughout the book of Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, I have Jim, my personal counselor, therapist. Um, he's an amazing Christian man. I have him weigh in from a counselor standpoint at the end of every chapter of the book, because I wanted people to have access to this great therapy that I've gotten and also help people see that therapy and theology can work really well together. They really can. And I find that a lot of times, for me anyway, I need to know through God's eyes how I should see this, that that's where my mind becomes renewed. But Things that we learn through therapy often can help us to rightly discern what we're seeing and how to respond in a given situation. It's kind of like the strategy part, you know, and, and having this coach who's who's walking you through that. And I think this is so critical too, because especially if we've been in toxic or abusive type situations, we tend to want to look at the thing and hope it can get better, you know? And so we are hesitant about boundaries because we want the best for this relationship. We want the best for this person but not always understanding that what is the best for it is not what we've conjured up in our mind as like, oh, this thing is going to be healed, but maybe it's actually that that this relationship ends or that the nature of that relationship changes. And whether it's through a counselor or in my case, it was a mentor, someone who's walking this with you, they have the ability to remind you, you know, when your heart kind of wants to go in one direction, you've got this established rhythm that you're in that they are able to speak that truth back to you though and remind you of what you are seeing. You are right in this and just kind of reorient you to to where you want to go. Absolutely. And I think it is important to have wise counsel in this whole process. You know, don't try to go at it alone, especially if these patterns of behavior are not just isolated mistakes, but they become true pervasive patterns. And there's a big difference between a mistake that we all make. We all make mistakes. 
there's a big difference between that kind of a mistake and a pattern. And a pattern is something where maybe this other person is refusing to respect your boundaries. They are not acknowledging their part in the difficulties or possibly even destructive tendencies in this relationship. They don't see the need for help. They will not admit that this is as big of an issue as it really is. And not only do they not want help, but they don't want you to seek help either. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to pay attention to that. And sometimes because our emotions are involved and invested, it's harder for us to be honest with ourselves. Mm. And so it's good to have wise people speaking into us, just like you said you had. And um, I think that's really important. Yeah. I think though, too, what happens here is if we do have this pattern of people pleasing, you know, we do want to be the one to like be undying and we can, we can help this person turn around and those types of things. You know, we have to recognize that the boundary is also our limit of, we're not we're not supposed to go into that person's realm though either. We're not supposed to cross this boundary into their life where now our our lives are becoming somewhat enmeshed and we're taking responsibility for their part of it. And with that though comes anxiety. And so it, there's this tension of I have made relationships quote unquote work before because I have taken responsibility for other people and boundaries force us to pull back from that. But sometimes that bout, that anxiety can actually be helpful for us in establishing our boundaries. Can you talk into that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, let's let's say today we were together and you had a cardiac event and obviously I want to step in and do CPR on you because that's what a human does for another human, right? So using external force and pressure, I can sustain your life for a little bit. But at some point, if your heart does not quicken and start to beat on its own, that situation is not sustainable. You never have you seen two friends walking around the mall, one friend doing chest compressions on the other and thought, wow, there's a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so that might be kind of a funny example, but it shows how love, it should be this beautiful connection between two humans. Two individual humans, both bringing themselves, but we can't confuse the good command to love with the bad realities of enabling. Mm-hmm. And I can be someone's wife. I, I can be a mom. I can be a friend. I can be a daughter. I cannot be a savior. Mm-hmm. And so I have to recognize what my role is and what it is not. And it's crucial that I acknowledge my limitations because we serve a limitless God. But as humans, we are limited, not because we're selfish, but because we're human. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to try to operate in a place like we have unlimited resources to give, unlimited emotion to give. Otherwise, we will bankrupt ourselves. Yeah. Okay, let's get real for a second. Have you ever just looked around at your life and thought, is this really all that there is? I know I have. But what if God actually agrees with us? Plus One Parents has released a brand new Bible study experience called Made for More, 30 Days of Discovering God's Redemption in Your Disappointment. In this study, you'll have a look at the scriptures and what they tell us about where God is in our disappointment, what He is doing to draw near to us even when we have doubt and exactly what He is doing to redeem every last piece of our stories, even the mistakes. 
Made for More is now available, and it's part of the Plus One Parents Collective all-access membership level, which you'll find a link to down in the show notes. What you see around you in life right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. I had to learn that boundaries allow that space for the Holy Spirit to work, and He's going to work on both people. Now, whether or not the other person listens, that's what we're supposed to observe, right? So when we create this space, I, I'm thinking of like eighth graders at a dance, you know, they've got their hands you know, yes. like on each other's shoulders, leave space for the Holy Spirit. But anyway, so, you know, but, <laughs> but it is where the Holy Spirit gets to work on you though, too. And he is the one though, who gives you the strengthening when you do feel anxious about setting this boundary, that when this person, if they start attacking you, that you can and have still discernment though in recognizing wow maybe i did do the right thing you know that the holy spirit with that space can work on us to give us the fortitude to do this this stuff that can be hard for us but it also is that recognition that if the holy spirit's working on me and i'm growing and the holy spirit is got space to work for this other person and they're not growing then that is the information that i need to continue to say all right holy spirit like where are we going to go with this you know where where do That's i need right. to change my relationship to and i think it's difficult cuz sometimes it's easier to just say well i want to be totally out over this relationship or you know i don't know how to to not be all in i think that was my biggest struggle was i don't know how to not be all in and it was only though in recognizing that i was i was going into god's job that made me realize like oh wow i don't want to be god like that's that's way too much of a burden on my own shoulders i agree and i i have that tendency too i'm i'm very compassionate mm -hmm. i am very loyal i'm very long suffering yeah. and there's a lot of noble qualities to that but there's also some unhealthy codependency wrapped yeah. in that as well and the best definition of codependency i ever heard was I need you to be okay so I can be okay. In order for me to be okay, I need you to be okay. Okay. So are you okay? So I right. can be okay. You know? <laughs> and um, I would typically say I'm a very strong, independent woman, but I also have some codependency tendencies, yeah. which if you've lived in close proximity with someone who has addictions, that can really happen. And mm -hmm. it's not because we're bad people. It's because our compassion has hyper extended into trying to save that other person. And that's not our job. You know, another thing that I think is important to remind myself and to remind each other of is that when we are setting a boundary, it's for the sake of the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's probably the only fighting chance that relationship has to go the distance yeah. because it's us establishing what is okay and what is not okay. And for some reason, for too long, I didn't feel like I could establish that. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to work within what was happening rather than stand up and say, this is not acceptable. And I have... I not only have the choice to say it's not acceptable, but I have the right to say this is not acceptable and this will not continue in my presence. Now, you can continue that behavior if you would like to. That's your choice. That's that's your own within your own control. Right. Yeah. But just like you have the choice to continue this behavior or not, 
I have the choice to continue to tolerate it or not. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you choose, I have the ability to say if I need to stay here or if I need to separate, not because I'm mean or cruel, but because I it's my responsibility to remain self-controlled, to remain safe, and to remain sane in this process. And I can't always let my circumstances rise and fall over choices that I have no say-so over. Mm -hmm. And I think choice is one of those things that we don't even realize we have. I know that was the case for me. I met my ex-husband when I was 17 years old. And just like you said, it sort of was this like, okay, this is what I have. Let's work with this. You know, we'll make we'll make this happen. We'll make it all work. And though there were problems all along the way, even from the beginning, I only had perceived that my choice was to make it work. That was it. And it's just one of those things that, as you said, though, with our our kindness and our compassion, when we don't recognize the boundary around that, that that is what we then override. Our, we used to override our choice. So that's actually the gift that becomes the challenge, right? And every gift has a challenge to it. But specifically when it comes to boundaries, I think the the inability to perceive that there is choice, then we don't ever feel like there's a way out or that there's anything else that can be done. And then we do kind of go, I can be long suffering, you know, and we're just like, well, I'll wait on you, Lord, and, and all that kind of thing. And Lord's like, I've got this established for you in a different way. And, and he's so kind and gentle to teach it to us, though. But it is something that unfortunately, only after long, long periods of time of it not working that way. And we have the perception, though, that it is working for me. Like, this is the way I've always done it. This is working for me. That we start to kind of sense like, gosh, maybe there's got to be a, a better and a different way to do this. That's right. And I I think a big challenge for me, especially when it came to something as significant as my marriage. I, I didn't want to lose my marriage. My marriage, I I loved being married. And I had a hard time accepting reality. And part of that reason is because I wanted to stay because I didn't I didn't want the fear of the unknown to suddenly yeah. be my reality. Yeah. But also part of it was that I didn't want to displease God. And yeah. I would hear that statement, God hates divorce, God hates divorce, God hates divorce. And, you know, I do believe that God hates what divorce does to people. But here's something really interesting. That verse comes from Malachi chapter two. And when I dug into the original language and before the King James Version, that verse actually says, when a man hates and divorces his wife, he does violence against the one he should protect. Mm -hmm. So I find it fascinating that sometimes we latch on to something that's been repeated to us over and over, or maybe that we've even repeated in our head. But when I took time to actually unearth the full scope of what that verse was saying, it um, it didn't encourage me that divorce was something that I should rush into at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But it did help me see God's not going to hate me. As a matter of fact, I think God has demonstrated throughout scriptures that there are times we don't want to do it quickly. We want to take steps, not leaps. But there are times where God himself commands us have nothing to do with these people. Yes. And, um, you know, I just had never been taught 
a biblical view of goodbyes. And Mm. so in my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, that's why the goodbyes part was so important to me. And look, I don't want this to ever be seen as this is Lisa's post-divorce book, you know, because that is, that's just a heartbreaking thing that um, I call my divorce, the death of a marriage, because that's what it was to me. It was Mm -hmm. the worst death I've ever had to walk through. But what I do want to help people see is that if someone is being absolutely irresponsible with the access that you've granted them, physically, sexually, financially, um, relationally, if someone is being a zero at being a response, like they're bringing zero responsibility, then we must consider possibly limiting the access down to that same level of their demonstrated responsibility. Yes. And I so, so appreciate that you mentioned that about the original language in Malachi. If you read the ESV, it's exactly what you just said. And I have come to understand though, only through going through a divorce and asking God, what do you say and show me in your word, that God used a divorce against the nation of Israel as a boundary for her unfaithfulness. And so divorce actually is boundary setting and that it is permitted through scripture to us who need to use it when we have an unrepentant and irresponsible spouse that we're being confronted with. And we don't have time to unpack all that, but I'm just so glad that you mentioned it because it needs to be said over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think we have to be careful. You know, there's a big difference between a difficult relationship and a destructive relationship, but there is provision in the Bible when a relationship has become destructive, when there is infidelity, when there is extreme just violations of the way that someone should be treated. Maybe that's through physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse, or maybe that that woman has just been absolutely abandoned by her husband. You know, the Bible makes provision for her to not have to suffer in an unsustainable relationship. And while I never take divorce lightly, I do think that in some cases, heartbreaking cases, um, it should, it shouldn't be put on the woman as this terrible choice she's making because maybe she's not walking away. Maybe she's just accepting reality. That's right. Thank you so much, Lisa. I so appreciate the time we got to spend together today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. And, um, you know, I just want that listener right now who feels alone and scared and so unsure. I, I want you to know in my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, you'll find a friend first and foremost. You'll find someone who understands and um, maybe someone who's just walked a little bit further down the path than you. And um, I want to take this journey um, with you. I want to take the journey through discovering that boundaries are really so that we can love others well without losing ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to find your new book. Well, thank you. Thanks, Lisa. If you enjoyed this conversation with Lisa, I've got a couple of others that you might like to listen to also. Check out episode 115, Does God Hate Divorce? Also, you can check out episode 72, Setting Boundaries, Improve Your Relationships and Boost Your Emotional Health with Dr. Allison Cook. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. 
On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.